Welcome to episode 19 of One Before I Die. A little bit of a late dropping of the episode because yours truly was boots on the ground for the Bills' victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the clinching the playoffs victory. I love it. Um, unbelievable game, unbelievable atmosphere. Um, I mean, I, I assume we're going to spend most of this episode talking about the Bills you know, over the Sabres just because of the events that occurred with us clinching playoffs and everything and uh, you know, break down that whole, whole entire game. But... Um, I mean, Ethan, uh, unbelievable way to, you know, clinch playoffs in week 15 of the NFL season. I mean, I, I don't even know the last time. I mean, obviously the last time we made playoffs two years ago, but um, to clinch the playoffs this early in the season um, with, you know, two games left still, I mean, not what we were expecting at all. So, uh, pretty, yeah, good feeling. yeah feel, feels unbelievable. This is a little bit weird. Um, neither of us expected this, I'd, I'd say. Uh, both of us, you know, going in, we're predicting six and ten. Um, and what do you know? We're ten and four with two weeks left in the season. Both these games are, you know, are playing with the house money at this point. Um, you know, we got the Pats this week. We got the Jets next week. But in reality, neither of those games really matter. Um, I know the division's the still wide open, but um, you know, when you look at it, the Bills need to win out. Patriots need to lose out, and if we beat the Patriots this week, I'll tell you right now, there's no way that they're going to lose to Miami at home knowing what's on the line. Um, so it's kind of a weird situation we're in now. But, I mean, right now, all you can do is enjoy the fact that we're in the playoffs with two weeks left to go. It's only December 16th, and the Bills have clinched a playoff spot. Um, and it feels extremely weird, but it's extremely exciting. Um, and you know, our podcast, we launched a podcast and the bills, you know, go to a 10 and four playoff run. I don't think it's a coincidence. We've been dropping hard hitting knowledge all year. Um, coming at you with some hot takes, keeping it real in the streets and they're in the playoffs. So I'll, I'll, I'll take credit for it. Yeah. We'll take all the credit even after our slander of maybe, you know, wanting to bench Josh Allen after week three by me, maybe Ethan, that was you, maybe Ethan, you know, saying that we're going to lose to the dolphins, go nine and seven, lose to the jets. You know, yeah, we might've said those things. Is that just giving the bills and our Buffalo sports team motivation? Yes. So, I mean, I think you have to give credit to us there. Um, by the Mixing way, it up with Jordan Phillips, tell him to take his coat off there in practice. <laughs> yeah. But put the, put the chip right on Jordan Phillips shoulder. He had another two had sacks. A great game. I think. 
Yeah, against the Steelers. And um, I mean, credit to me. This is my Jordan with the flu game podcast here. I mean, I you know it might have been my own fault a little bit that we're recording this at 10 p.m. Um, Monday night because I waited till rush hour to leave Pittsburgh. Yeah, is that on me? Sure, but I was tired. I was you know giving my all on Sunday night at the game. So we still got to grind it out and get this knowledge out to the folks. Um, but speaking about being at the game, um, I mean, I just wanted to, you know, since I was there, I thought I'd hit on, you know, the atmosphere and just being there. And Wait, just, but first of all, I don't even really know if you were at the game. <laughs> what do you mean? After, after every play, you texted me, who was that? Well, well I'm going to get into that. Listen here. So first of all, Heinz Field, like – well, first of all, I haven't been to an NFL game. Like now that I'm thinking about it, this is my first NFL game that I've been to since I think the Bills beat the Jets in the last week of the season to get the Pittsburgh Steelers into the playoffs like three years ago or whatever that was. When, you know, after we won, Pittsburgh sent us a bunch of Permani sandwiches to Buffalo, um, just like we sent, you know, wings to Andy Dalton in Cincinnati when he clinched it for us. But anyway, so I haven't been to an NFL game in forever. Um, but I mean, Heinz Field obviously is popping. They got to figure out how to get people into the game faster. I mean, we <laughs> we're at the tailgate, me and my buddies, and the this game is probably kicks on you at, too a little bit. No, no, because listen, the game kicks off at eight twenty, and we're like, all right, we'll go, we'll leave the tailgate at eight to go in. We ended up leaving at seven forty instead because one of my buddies had to take a piss. We're like, all right, we'll just go in now. Seven forty. That's what math guy twenty plus twenty forty minutes until kickoff. So that should be plenty of time. And we're standing outside Heinz Field in the cluster of people. I've heard about 50 let's go Buffalo chants by this point. My head's about to explode. I just want to get in there, get to the game, you know, pee maybe. And then, you know, on top of that, so we finally get in after like 20 minutes in line. Me and my buddy go to the bathroom. And then it took us like an hour to get up to our seats because I like like I said I haven't been to an NFL game in so long I forgot how big these stadiums are our seats were the top row in the entire stadium <laughs> we were literally at the top row and that's why I'm texting you and Dad every two seconds you know who's down on the play because we could barely even hear the PA announcer we could barely I couldn't see the Croft touchdown to win the game it was at the far corner it was the opposite corner I thought it was Dawson Knox. I mean, I couldn't hear who, who, who the, you know, they said over the announcer. So that's why I'd, my eyes had to adjust about, you know, halfway through the first quarter. They finally adjusted and I was getting some good, good vision on it. But, um, not I really. Mean, but I mean, the, the atmosphere there was crazy. Um, I mean, you know, you, people talk about Heinz Field and obviously my, I have a bunch of buddies that live in Pittsburgh. They've been to a bunch of games and they, you know, if they're listening, they know about it and Pittsburgh fans do. But a lot of people listening right now are obviously Buffalo fans, I assume. And I mean, just a Sunday night game. Um, I mean, it was so much louder. It's so much louder in person than it really resembles on TV. And I mean, there was a ton of Bills fans too. There's a lot of blue in the crowd, but when we're on offense, when the Bills were on offense, the stadium was absolutely rocking. I mean, they get the terrible towels going. It's a pretty surreal atmosphere. And I mean, it just makes literally every play the biggest play like of, you know, of my life when I'm there in person watching the game. Um, I mean, we'll get to it later, but you know, Pittsburgh, you know, their, their whole, um, signature thing that they do is they play the song renegade um in the fourth quarter for the first offensive possession um for their defense so pittsburgh steelers first defensive possession in the fourth quarter out of the commercial break they played renegade over the loudspeaker and the whole stadium goes absolutely nuts and you know the the possession that they did it on on sunday night was um well first of all you know they played the the song and the, the whole stadium's rocking um 
but one part of it, which I loved, is if you look at the Bills' sideline during that, I don't know if there's any footage or anything. The Bills obviously know that's what the Steelers do. That's their signature thing. The Bills' sideline was going absolutely nuts, getting rowdy. Um, I mean, they were just embracing it. And then what do you know? That's the drive that we go down, shove it right down their throat and score the game-winning touchdown or what ended up being the game-winning touchdown on that drive. No, so, I don't think so. Yeah, it was. That was our, that was our touchdown. Uh, Put us up 17-10. I'm 100% sure it was. We were down 10-7 to going into the fourth quarter. And we kicked a field goal before that, and then we, that drive was the renegade drive when we scored a touchdown. Oh, okay. I thought you said they played it like going into the fourth quarter. It was like the possession after or so. It was like, gotcha. it was like one of their first possessions of the fourth quarter. Because um, I think we had the ball at the end of the third quarter, ended up capping. Because it was a new drive is what I'm saying that they played renegade for. Cause we okay. had the yeah, because we had the ball – like kick, about to kick the field goal at the right, start. right. So when we got re got the ball for the first, for yeah. the next series, so they yeah. played renegade, they get hype, renegade drive right down their throat, and then I mean, you know, we ended up obviously holding them off um, for the last two possessions. But that that was just an absolutely beautiful way, you know. Same with five of my buddies that are all Steelers fans too, absolutely loved it. But um, I mean, we can get into the actual game now. Like I said, I was there, so I didn't really you know get to break it down and take as many notes as I usually do. So I was going to kind of come to you for that knowledge, but you, you didn't really seem you know. The offense is kind of the same way it's been all year. You were getting frustrated with them, but obviously the defense showed up and played four turnovers, I think, or maybe five, four picks. So, I mean, what did you see from your end? I mean, how did you like it? I mean, obviously when you win that game and you make the playoffs, you can't complain, but from an actual, you know, tactical standpoint, what, what were you seeing out there? I mean, I pretty much called how it was going to be on last week's prediction. Just an ugly game, defense taking control on both sides, um, you know, <laughs> didn't really expect much out of Duck Hodges. What do you have? Four interceptions. Um, he didn't look good at all. No, yeah. Uh, Steelers Steelers bad. Pretty underwhelming. They don't, you know, didn't have Juju, which I think hurt them, obviously. They didn't really have any, you know, skill players that I was really worried about. James That's Conner, Conner I guess. Yeah, but he looked like he wasn't even 100%. He was coming off an in- injury as well to, I believe, his shoulder. Um, but, yeah, Bill's – played great on defense like they've done for I'd say 80 to 90 percent of the season minus a few weeks in the middle of the season there um but again the offense I thought it it wasn't fully there like we saw against the Cowboys like we saw against um who they played a week before the Cowboys the Dolphins I believe um you know the Broncos I think the Broncos Broncos, yeah I thought Allen looked pretty good against you know those three weeks and then, like we said last week against the Ravens, the offense took a step back. And this week, you know, we, we did enough to get it done. Um, you look at Josh Allen's stats, I believe he was like 13 or 20 of, for 25 with, I believe he only had like 150 yards passing, a rushing, a rushing TD, a passing TD, and an interception. Um, we can go into that interception a little bit more in depth. but That's kind of his yeah, identity just, now, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't buy that. You know, I really don't. I I think we've seen enough from him. To, I don't. I I hate this. You know, his identity is doing enough to get it done. Where he has ugly stat lines. I I really think he's better than that. And I think a lot of times in the game yesterday, I don't know. I can't. I can't figure out Dabble and how he approaches these games. Like I, it was obvious for the majority of the game that both teams were kind of playing the field position game, making a lot more conservative calls, not letting their quarterbacks um, loose as much, not throwing the ball downfield as much. Um, there's a lot of times where, you know, we're running, you're doing run, run pass, you know, very predictable, very predictable. We get the, we get the ball, you know, 
we're talking about this, get the ball with, you know, a little less than two minutes to go in our own end to end the first half. And, you know, when the Steelers get the ball to start the second half, you, you like to think you try to get some points when you're up seven to three, maybe try to get in the field goal range, give your, give Hauschka a shot to kick a field goal, and, you know, and we just run the clock out. So you can tell that I think McDermott and the whole coaching staff's, you know, game plan going into this game was, Let's let's make sure that we win the field position battle. Let's you know not give them a lot on on offense, and let's you know make some safer calls on offense and just do enough to score more than them, right? And let our defense dictate the the pace of play of this game. Let's you know let's take it take our time on offense, draw out some drives, um, keep the legs fresh on defense, and get after the quarterback and make him make mistakes, right? So I, I, I don't I give credit to the game plan because it kind of worked, but I really think I really I really like it when Dabble lets Allen throw the ball a little bit more, and I think that one interception kind of got him maybe a little bit rattled because you know in the second half we really stuck to the the ground game a lot, and you know we did what we needed to get it, to do to get it done. The Steelers are you know an eight and five football team. Um, and I know, you know, the big, the big stick around the bills is they don't beat good football teams, but I would think the you know, Steelers right now are a playoff football team. And I think they they have just as good a shot, even with duck Hodges, just based on how they're good, their defense is to beat the chiefs. I don't, in a one game series, you know, like in the, in the NFL, it's a, it's a week to week league and it's tough to win in this league. Um, so like you, like you've been saying, when you're Bills fans, you can't really you can't really criticize a win, right? When we've been through, you know, the last twenty years as Bills fans. So bottom line is we're in the playoffs. We did enough to get it done. Um and I think this defense is dangerous. It's a defense that a lot of these teams are not gonna want to face in the playoffs. So that's kind of my take on the game. I know it's yeah. yeah, no, and I and that's what I was, you kind of, you know, ended it off with what I was going to jump in with, with is that, you know, you could argue that McDermott and the coaching staff, while, yeah, you might want to see Allen be able to cut loose and throw the ball and do his thing. It's, you know, it's a lot, the risk to reward situation in that type of game with the, you know, playing against the Steelers offense that they are. And, and cause I do kind of agree with you, you know, it's annoying because I do think that Allen's better than what he's shown and what, you know, the play calls that we do in the conservativeness. But at the same time, it's hard to criticize, you know, what happened and what they did going in and the way they called the game, just because, you know, they didn't really need to score 30 plus points to beat the Steelers offense and the Steelers team, um, you know, especially with our defense. And, so uh, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, a, and you, and you, you know, you said that, you know, you rounded back around with that. So I guess this is kind of, that's why I was saying it's kind of like our identity for this year. And that's why I've been saying throughout the whole year, it's hard to complain about what we've done. And we're almost kind of working out the kinks in a way it's Allen's first full year in the league. It's his real, you know, last year was just coming in and way too fresh. Um, but now that we're kind of figuring it out as we move along, I think you can see the improvements in Allen. I think you can see the improvements of the offense. Um, so, you know, just to stick with what we know and I guess be a little bit more conservative is it hard to watch and tough to watch sometimes, especially when you know a guy can make plays and we've seen it before. It's just the consistency might not be there. Yeah, it's tough. But at the end of the day, I guess, you know, like you said, you can't complain. We got the win. They stuck to the game plan and it ended up working out. Um, but, but another part of the offense that we have to address, you know, is uh, it's not just Allen and the play calling. And if we want to cut them loose or not, it's when we're running the ball well, it's awesome. But then Singletary has got to not put the ball on the ground. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. 
I mean, and same with Allen. Allen still has that problem. I know that one, you know, he was called down on, which was the right call, but um, I think it was right before we converted, you know, on that fourth down and we ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive. But, you know, he, he's very risky with the ball. I, I think he there's a couple other scares during the game. Singletary fumbles, and if we don't get that one fumble back um, that he gives up, that was right before we got, I think, points to tie the game or something. Um, it's just he needs to be more reliable, and, and I know – they kind of put Gore in there more after Singletary's first fumble, which I didn't really agree with just because Gore, you could tell, just you know, especially since he's gotten less touches over the weeks, he's just not there. But at the same time, Singletary comes back out and fumbles again. So it's tough. Um, that's definitely something you have to look at moving forward, especially with the way Singletary's running too. He was running well, but you got to protect the ball. you got to protect the ball. Yeah, I mean, he, he was running well for the majority of the game, and – I thought he had a great game. I mean, he was elusive, making guys miss. Um, Just he was averaging. The only way that the Steelers were going to score, and like we've been saying, you know, for the past past weeks, yeah, for the majority of the games, for the majority of the games, with even teams with better offenses than Steelers, but especially the Steelers, the only way they they were going to score is short field position, turnovers, and get it in the red zone right off the bat, and that happened like twice or so. So. Yeah, I mean, for the majority of the game, when we when we pin them back, right, you just feel so confident that they're not going to march the ball 80 yards and score a touchdown. So yeah, like those turnovers. I really think if we didn't ha- if we didn't turn the ball over, this game wouldn't have been as close as it was, right? Because and if I some mean, receivers came up with some catches, maybe too. I mean, yeah, they had a couple the couple big plays. Like the only thing they could get really going in the passing game were those few bombs, you know, that we got beat on. Other than that, they didn't really have much consistency in the passing game. Um, Connor looked decent at times. They had they did have a nice opening drive to start the second half um, to put them up. But but, what, seven. but also what but put him in that, that what put him in that the, for that opening drive in the second half what put him in that position to score was the one long bomb. So they weren't getting like chunk yards like you know play after play. It was the one right. play. So right, yeah. So go yeah. ahead. But yeah, single Singletary, yeah, just he just he that's something that definitely is a weakness and I think that teams are gonna target going forward in the playoffs is ball security. You know, he's a he's a rookie, um five five seven rookie. He's very elusive. So, you know, when you're when you're making quick moves, I think it's probably easier for that ball to come loose. Kinda like shady. Um, so I think that's something that yeah, something that he needs to work on, you know, number one thing is ball security, right? And especially with the kind of team we have, we can't afford to um you know, turn the ball over. So, um, what was your yeah, take on the overall? I thought he had a. What, what was your take on the Allen pick then? Because I didn't really like from my vantage yeah. point. I mean, it was I don't know. Right. Should, should should the receiver? So my so that my or? take my take overall is, I thought that especially early on in the game, the for two weeks in a row, I, I said this last week that our skill, it's kind of like a double edged sword, or you know, it, it goes both ways here where. Allen does, you know, he does have accuracy issues. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, right? He looks great sometimes, and then sometimes he misses wide open guys. And then other times he, he throws passes that aren't right on the money. But, you know, if, if you're going to pick up your quarterback, sometimes guys need to make plays. And so I thought for a lot of the, the you know, throughout the whole year, not just yesterday, but the week before and a few games after, you know, we have – we don't – we don't have a lot of guys that make spectacular catches or, you know, come down with a ball that it's like a 50, 50 ball. Right. So like that Beasley tip, right. It wasn't a great pass by Allen. 
for sure not. But if you look at the, if you run it back, I watched that um, replay a few times. He had to throw over a linebacker, right, to make sure that didn't get tipped at the line or intercepted by him. So he threw it a little high. And that ball is high, but Beasley, it hits him right in the hands. And it, it, we're almost better off if he doesn't even touch it, right, because then it'll just go Definitely. through everybody. So, I mean, if it hits you in the hands, you got to catch the football. That's number one. That's why we picked Beasley up in the offseason. You know, that's why we addressed, you know, we thought that bringing – him in would address the wide receiver issues that we saw last year and the one thing about Beasley right he's he should be the Josh Allen outlet he's the sure-handed guy that you can go to in situations like that so I I think I hate to say it but ever since the Dallas game I think we've gotten away from going to Beasley and I don't think it's kind of been another double-edged sword where I don't think we're targeting him enough but even when we do I don't see him having the same you know jump in his step it seems like you know he seems he kind of took took in the pedal off the you know he he took the his foot off the gas a little bit after the Dallas game which he you know we all knew he was going to come out hype for that game because you know he's playing in Dallas against his old team but you know I'm really looking down the stretch to see more out of Cole Beasley John Brown I thought he started off slow but then came up big with some catches on the stretch he ended up with a nice stat line he caught that long deep ball that set up our go ahead touchdown drive. Um, yeah, the and, the and one, keep yeah. the change pass interference. But one point I wanted to bring up, um, I don't know if you saw this because you couldn't see anybody on the field, but um, <laughs> Robert Foster didn't play an offensive snap for the uh, Bills. So mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, is it is it like Duke Allen or Duke, Duke Williams time now? Like, if you're not going to use him on offense. Well, yeah, really well yeah, I've been saying it's been Duke Williams time for a while. First of all, um, your comments on Beasley and the skill guys, I completely agree with. I think Beasley obviously came up pop in the Dallas game, like you said, and hasn't really looked the same since. Um, but at the same time, so like John Brown and Beasley, I think they're both very competent wide receivers, but I still think the Bills lack a number one guy. I like Beasley, I like Cole, but, or I mean, I like Beasley, I like Brown, but I don't think Brown is a sure, you know, fire number one receiver. I think that's something that the Bills still do lack. Um, but, but at the same time, Robert Foster, if he's not going to play, like you said, yeah, I mean, put put Duke Williams in for a different look. He's a big guy. You know, the the touchdown he had in the first game of the, that he played as a pro was that one right over the middle. You just put it up to him, and he just snags it out of there. I mean, we see footage of him in practice, which, yeah, like take that with a grain of salt. It's practice. But he still goes up and makes athletic plays. Um, but then also, I mean, even, you know, if you're not going to – Robert Foster, like I would rather have Lee Smith, like, out of the game. Like, he, even from my vantage point, he was playing, you know – the snaps that he was in there, it was just such an obvious run. Um, like, yeah. it's just like, it's not, it's not as much as like Duke Williams is all this like stud, like he should be in the lineup. It's more like you have other guys. Gives you better play, options. Right. He's just a better option than like you have guys that are playing that probably, you know, you could at least change it up a little bit, do something different with Duke. Whereas if you just leave the you old know, Foster and Smith and those guys in, it's not really adding much to the table. So, yeah, I think it should have been Duke Williams' time a while ago. I thought the reason that he was inactive after his first game was because he was hurt, but I guess he was well, he did hurt. get hurt right, and got healthy, healthy and then never made it back. Yeah, so, like, I don't, I don't really know what's good there. Um, I don't know. Maybe McDermott seems to love Lee Smith, so I, I don't know what's going on, on there. But, no, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's McDermott or Dabble or whatever, but, right. yeah, I, I mean, he's probably one of the, my least favorite players on this team. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But do you but do you agree that you think that the Bills still like need like a number one guy receiver? Absolutely. I mean, they showed a graphic last night on Sunday Night Football comparing how tall Josh Allen was to like all of his um, skill players. 
every we all of our skill players are under you know six feet. Right. So I think bringing Duke Williams in is an immediate, like you said, he's not going to, we're not expecting him to be like a number one wideout stud, but he's a guy that can give you a different look and give defenses something else that they need to defend or give Josh Allen a bigger target to throw to, you know, he's not going to be, have the speed of Brown or Beasley, but he's going to, you know, command a, a larger defender to cover him because just of the sheer size and strength, you know, give, give, give Josh Allen a, red zone target to throw to you know right. i think there's a lot of 50 50 balls that duke williams might win where if you have like a isaiah mckenzie out there right he's not he's not beating anybody one-on-one unless he beats him with his speed so for sure 100 percent, i agree and i mean i don't i don't i still don't see them doing that i guess moving forward just because they haven't done it over the past few weeks but i mean it's got to be something they have to look for or at least talk about but i don't know i, I don't see it happening but i completely agree that it should be happening um but, but anyway moving forward i guess if there's not much else is there anything else like about the actual game you want to recap or i mean moving forward we obviously locked in for the playoffs i think we're locked in as a five seed unless like you mentioned earlier the whole you know division fiasco if the patriots lose yeah we can't lose out and we went went out we win the division but i don't think that's happening yeah we can't um the lowest seed where we could be is the five so we're at least the five we won't drop to the six okay so with that being said it's looking like it's either going to be the steelers with the other wild card and then you know, either Houston or Tennessee is going to win that division and will probably play us. Right. So, so Houston played Tennessee, Tennessee lost, and then they play again in the last week of the season. Right. Um, and then Tennessee, I think also plays the saints next week, which will be a tough game for them. Right. So that's why the so I think, I think if, I think if the, if, if the saints beat the Titans on uh, next week, I, I believe the Titans are out unless this, and this, if the Steelers win and the Titans lose, are the are the Steelers in then? I don't I don't know, but I know that the Steelers have the Jets next week, and then and the Ravens, the Ravens the last week. Yeah. So if they, I'm not. Exactly, but the Ravens might sit their guys the last week if yeah. they. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure what that whole scenario is, but I'm saying. The beautiful thing is, we don't have to care because the Bills exactly. are already in. Yeah, <laughs> and we're no longer. You know, it's great not having to go into the week 16, week 17, banking on other teams to do different things, wondering, doing scoreboard watching. We're already in. We control their own destiny, did seal the deal, and that's that's what all we got to worry about. Hell yeah, 100% feels great. Um, but I was talking about p- for potential Bills matchup, it's probably going to look like the It's probably going to be Houston. Which I, mean. I which if it say it is, I like that matchup of us going into, the, into Houston. And I mean, I don't know. I can. I can see that being a good first game in the playoffs that we can, you know, win. I know Deshaun Watson is a solid winnable. team, but, th- but definitely a winnable game. Um, yeah, but, I mean, we can – are you looking at Houston over the past couple of weeks? It like world beaters when they go and, and, you know, beat the Patriots on primetime, right? And then they follow that up with a – they got blown up by the Broncos, right? Yeah. And then they – Last, you know, this past week they had a really tight game with Tennessee who, you know, (laughs) Tennessee also doesn't really scare me either if we end up playing them. We already played them and went into their building and, you know, beat them this year already. So, and and I think that's with a team that looks a lot different than how we look now. I think we're better than the team that we came into their building with. And I, but again, I think they're probably better too. They got Tannehill instead of Mariota now, which is crazy to think that that's an upgrade. But, um. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think the, tight, the Texans really scare me. If you look at, uh, you know, the potential playoff teams, I'd probably – I don't know. Do you, do you rather play – the only other team maybe I'd rather play would be the Steelers again. 
but I, I but, still, but we, we wouldn't play Steelers first round. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, if you look at the other five playoff teams, I think the Texans would be the, the team I'd want to face out of all the other ones, right? right. Not, I don't want to go to Kansas City. I don't want to go to Baltimore. I don't want to go to New England. So, right. yeah, I, no, I agree. I think that we're kind of getting the best matchup there. But then again, you know, it's playoff football. No team's, no team's going to be, a, you know, a slouch anymore. Deshaun Watson's electric. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, stud. And then they have a solid defense. I wouldn't say it's great, um, but I, th- I think it's solid. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be – I think if we play the Texans, and I know that there's still two weeks of football left and it could change, but saying we do play the Texans, it's going to be kind of a different look uh, than a game against the Steelers or Ravens. I think it's going to be a game where we're going to have to rely on Josh Allen to make some plays and keep up with the Texans' offense because I think they're going to put up points regardless of how good our defense plays. I think it's going to be more of a high-scoring affair um, – which kind of, that's the part that scares me, right? Because I'm fine with going toe-to-toe with any good defense in the league, but when we have to put our offense up against a really good electric offense with a ton of playmakers, that's not the kind of football that this team needs to play. So, yeah, no, the same – yeah, it's like you don't want to be in a shootout like as a Bills fan. Right. But, but at the same time – in a we way, have to dictate the pace of play and if we end up playing the Texans in the first round. Right, but in a way, if we can, you know, trust our defense and, and stay solid against them, only, you know, limiting them, it's almost sometimes, I don't know, it almost makes me feel better sometimes if you put Allen up against these, you know, defenses that aren't as solid as what we've been seeing and you kind of let, that's when we kind of maybe let Allen cut loose a little bit more because we put a little bit more trust in him when he's playing these defenses that aren't as, you know, solid as the Steelers or Ravens or something. And sometimes it makes him play a little bit better. Um, but looking, that's a little bit looking more ahead, you know, a few weeks from now, looking ahead to next week, we got the Patriots, obviously. And before we move on from the Bills, we'll, let's just get some predictions in for that game. Um, we don't really have to, I don't really want to, you know, dive into the, you know, the preview of that too much other than then I think it kind of will be a similar game to our first game with them. Yeah. I mean, Brady and the offense, I mean, they're objectively just not good this year. I'm not going to be one. I will never be one of those guys. You know, I was talking to my friends over the weekend. I was, I'll never be one of those guys, no matter how bad he looks or whatever, you can never count him out. I still think they're, you know, Super Bowl favorites in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but at the same time, they don't look great on offense, and their defense is the reason why they're absolutely cruising. And they're still what only ten? They're ten and three this year. So I mean, you can't count them out at all. Eleven and three. Eleven and three. There, yeah, there you go. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I do think the Bills can win this game in in a way, and I and I think we actually do because I think that just I I don't know. I just think that you think we're gonna win. I do. I think I just straight for, up. I, yeah, for some reason, I just think that Sunday night primetime game, like, I just think the Bills are playing with a ton of confidence right now. Um, no matter how ugly or not ugly, I mean, we're, we just have something about this team just is making me feel good. And if we're going to win a regular season matchup like this in New England, um, it's going it to be when it doesn't matter. <laughs> it has to be when it doesn't matter as much. First of all, no, like, that's a great point. And second of all, just like I said earlier, it's not the same, you know, Brady and offense. I still think, like I just said, I still think you can't count them out. I'm not being one of those like hot take guys, but I mean, if we can get a couple turnovers, this and that, um, I mean, we were right there at the end of it, end of it in the first game, we played him with Matt Barkley and a quarterback, you know, when Allen went down. Right. So, um, you know, hot take will, will be that we're going to beat him. And so I, I say the final score um, will be, 
I think it's going to be around, you know, earlier to the same score that the first time I played him just a little bit flipped. I'll say, um, I guess I'll say 20, 20 to 10. I'll say 20, 10, 20 to 14. Okay. So I, the spread going in this game is seven, which I, you know, first glance, I think is kind of a, a little bit disrespectful to the Very Bills. disrespectful. Are you kidding me? But again, I mean, the Patriots are home. Um, and again, they're, they're, they're looking to just seal the deal on the division. So, I mean, they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. They know that they've been over the past couple of weeks, the national media has been kind of whenever, you know, the thing with the Patriots over the last few years is whenever the national media kind of calls them out that they just shove it right down their throats. And I think, I hate to say it, but Brady loves playing the bills. I mean, he absolutely dominates us. We're kind of like the little brother in the rivalry where they don't really consider it a rivalry, but we absolutely hate them and think they're our huge rival to us. <laughs> so I think that, you know, seven, honestly, doesn't sound that crazy. Um, but I'm going to say we cover the seven, but we lose in another low scoring game. And it's weird because this Patriots team, like you said, like, I'm not, I'm never going to be the guy either to count out Brady as long as he's wearing a Patriots uniform and I don't care what their record is when they play the Bills it's really hard for me to pick the Bills to win football games and it makes it even harder for me to pick them especially with how their defense looks right now and I really hate watching Stefan Gilmore in that Patriots jersey have one of the best you know seasons as a defensive player in the National Football League you know if it wasn't for him I think Tredavis White would probably be the number one corner in the AFC right now um which sucks knowing that we maybe could have both of those guys if we gave Gilmore the money. But um, regardless, I think our offense is going to really struggle, which is going to be tough blow to conf- you know, tough, tough blow to the confidence going into the playoffs, which is really, this is kind of really scaring me. Um, Cause if we lose this game, then it basically makes the jets game week 17 meaningless. Right. And then that begs the question, are we going to play Josh Allen even, right? Is that a Matt Barkley game? Um, so, you know, to make a long story short here, I think we lose this game, but cover the spread. Uh, I think the defense plays really well and gives Tom Brady a lot of trouble. Um, but I think they do enough. They might get another special teams and I think they win 16 to 13. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you can't go against, like I said, I mean, it's hard to pick the Bills in that game 100%. Um, I, I, I agree with that, but I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick to it. I, I think we need maybe come out on top for once in one of these games. Um, but anyway, I think we can kind of move on from the Bills. Last thing I want to say about them is that while I was in Pittsburgh after the game, um, well, I guess today, so me and my, a couple of my buddies went to the casino. Uh, Got a little bit of extra cash from Blackjack. Thanks to my buddy who I put money in for him, you know, let his weird brain go to work, got up a little bit of money. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put a little futures bet down. Had I was up 45 bucks, went to the right to the sports book area there, 45 bucks on uh, Bill's winning Super Bowl. So that's just a team of destiny, little little thing right there. Plus like 3,500. Hey, don't let me down. It'll be a huge victory for me. Obviously, a huge victory for all Buffalo, but I'm feeling team of destiny type stuff. If we're gonna if we're gonna make a deep playoff push, I mean, I could see that see that kind of it's kind of getting my head a little bit. It's getting a little scary. I'm getting a little cocky with it, but I mean, yeah, you really are. I mean, hey, I'm just doing my part over here. Um, but anyway, let's move on from the Bills playoffs. Maybe that's all that matters as of right now. We're in the playoffs. Let's get on to the ice. Let's talk about the Sabers because they have actually been heating up a little bit. 
Um, they got, I think, a little bit of a point streak going, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the team. I mean, Eichel's obviously got his point streak still intact. Uh, you know, it seems week in and week out that we are usually on the other end of, you know, talking about them in a bad way. But I mean, as of late, I feel like there might even be a little bit more positive than negative talk about this team. For sure, especially with how their November went. I mean, December, you look at their schedule so far. And um, I mean, first of all, you know, shout out to Jack Eichel, absolutely putting this team on his back. He's on, I think, a 15 or 16 game point streak. 16. 16 games. I mean, he's scored in the last three, I believe. Uh, goals I'm talking about. And he's, he's just, you know, he's having an MVP caliber season right now. He's second in the league in goals. Like I said, 16-game point streak. The Sabres are scoring. Jack Eichel's involved, which is what you got to have out of your number one guy that you drafted second overall, and you're paying $10 million a year for the next six or next seven years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we can talk about looking back at this past week, right? They had the Blues on last Tuesday. They had the Predators on Thursday, and then they had the Islanders on a Saturday matinee. Um, they went – Two zero and one, I believe, right? Yep. Wins against St. Louis and Nashville, and then lost in overtime to the Islanders. Um, when which they battled back and got a you know another last minute goal from Jack Eichel to send that into overtime to get a point out of it. And the Islanders are no slouch of a team. I mean, they're having an unreal year, second in their division, um, and they're only second because the Capitals are the best team in the NHL right now. And if they weren't in the Capitals' division, they'd be for sure number one in the division. Um, so yeah, I mean, total turnaround from how our November went. Um, I think the big news that I want to get into right away is as of yesterday, I believe Casey Middlestat has been sent down to the Rochester Americans. Um, you know, first, first time since that he made the jump from college to the pros that he's been sent down to the minors. Um, kind of a little shock to me. I did not see that coming. You know, I really, you know, it was weird because he has been getting healthy scratch, so it kind of makes sense, and I definitely agree with the move, I'd say. But I just thought that there'd be no way that they would have done this, especially with, you know, how they've treated him so far. I mean, they've kind of put him in a, almost an, into a top-six role without earning it, in my opinion. Um, and so, I mean, he had, for sure has not performed up to those standards. I believe he only has four goals on the season in, you know, 30-some games so far. Um, he's been an absolute liability in a lot of these games, turning the puck over, not strong in the defensive zone. I think he has a lot to work on. He has a lot. He's, he is young, right? He's only 20, 21 years old right now. Um, so, I mean, he definitely needs to get stronger. He definitely needs to get smarter. And he definitely needs to make quicker and better decisions when he has the puck. Um, so I, I honestly do love this move because I'd, I'd love to see him get some confidence back in him, you know, get, get, get a point streak going, absolutely tear up the Amherst a little bit and kind of, kind of do what they did to Tage Thompson to start the year where, you know, I kind of think they, they did this with Tage last year where they kind of gave him a spot without earning it. Right. Just because we made a big trade for O'Reilly and you want to show that you made a good trade and you got a good return for sending one of your best players away. Um, I, I want to see Middlestat make, you know, Kruger and make Botterill have to call him up because he's playing so well in the minors. Um, so yeah, that's my take on it. What do you, what were your thoughts on the, on the move? 
I I like the move. Um, I've never been a middle stack guy since he's been a saber. Honestly, he's never really shown much. I agree that he's kind of just been put in a top six. Um, I mean, this year, you know, it's weird. We don't know what top six is anymore. I feel like, but yeah, he's been getting ice time. Well, especially when you don't measure, you know, number the lines. Right. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing here? But since he's been on the Sabres, yeah, I don't know. He hasn't been too impressive. It's weird because he's a guy that, um, you know, he's shown he's for the most part, he hasn't been good, but he's shown flashes of, you know, good little plays with his hands. He's got quick hands. He's got a nice shot, but it seems like he can't. There's some guys that, you know, are very skilled. This has happened, you know, throughout the history of the league where they're very skilled, Guys coming into the league getting drafted, expect you know, expect big things. It's kind of like a Gelchenyuk type thing, Nylander, where these guys are really good at you know the lower levels, show a lot of promise, and then they go to the NHL. It's just such a different league. I mean, it's obviously the best players in the world, and they just can't tra- their game just doesn't translate to the NHL. And it seems like that's what Middlestat has been. I mean, he. You know, when we, I think the first time Sabres fans and at least myself and people in the hockey world have kind of heard of this guy was when he was kind of tearing up in the World Juniors, right? When it was, it, the World Juniors was in Buffalo and they had that outdoor game, that whole tournament. Um, he was kind of the best player on that USA team. And, you know, Sabres fans were very excited about his come up. Uh, but, you know, it hasn't been able to translate. And, I mean, so my other question, I guess, follow-up question to this would be, do you think they healthy scratched him and now set him down because you think they're trying to maybe look to deal him and they, and they gave him that information so they're, you know, they're pushing him to the side, maybe trying to package him, Bogosian, and a, and a pick to send him out? I mean, I know that there was rumors swirling that since he was scratched, maybe that they were trying to deal him as well. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, no, I don't – I mean, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if – if they ended up doing it, but I don't think the move was with anticipation of a trade. I mean, I, I was, I think I was reading things today that Botterell's already come out and said he's talked to him and told, and already they've already had discussions on, you know, specifics in his game that he really needs to work on for them, him to get back up with the Sabres. So I really do think it's a purely developmental move. Um, but who know. knows what's what's being said behind no, the doors? Right. No, I'm saying, I, I'm saying it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, but I, I don't think it, I, I, you know, gun to my head, I'm saying no, that this was not a move because they're right. talking about trading him. Um, yeah, but as far as, you know, even if that isn't the isn't the case, you know, it's just something to think about. But as far as him just getting sent down, if that has nothing to do with, you know, trade value or anything like that, yeah, I have no problem with it. I, I don't mind it. I mean, you know, he gets healthy scratch and we go on like a three-game winning streak, right? So, I, I don't know. He might have played in one of the first games in there, but, I mean, he's out of the lineup and we start kind of playing a little bit better. He's He's less of a liability when he's not on the ice. Um, so, yeah, I don't hate it. And maybe it just takes a little bit of time for him to develop down low, like you said, and just kind of like get some confidence, play in the AHL, and and just start finding his game and finding a way to translate. I think that's just the biggest thing. Like, I mean, all these guys in the NHL are skilled guys. All the guys that get drafted are, you know, even if they come into the NHL and have a 10-year career as a fourth-line, third-line guy, that guy was still drafted as, you know, one of the best players on his junior league team or whatever. So these guys all have the skill, and they're there for a reason. It's just sometimes it doesn't translate. They can't figure out the little things in the top level of the game in order to get it done and that's just what middle sets been so far and it's been very disappointing um but you know i also brought up bogosian during this discussion uh i don't think we've talked since the last time the news came out that you know he requested a trade i think right. both, both you and i had kind of the same reaction about this was dude shut up like what you you're acting like you should i think you know he's probably mad that he's the whole defenseman situation where he scratched the one game and back in the lineup and that's like we said, is not a good way to do it. But I don't, 
think he's a shoo-in to be, you know, I think he's probably our worst defenseman right now. And the way, you know, he's like Absolutely. demanding a trade, thinking that he's going to get like perfect minutes somewhere else or something. It's like, dude, we've been trying to, we've probably been trying to trade you and probably no one wants you. Especially with his contract too. He's making like 5 million a year and he's, you know, a bottom two defender on, a, I don't know, on a good team. He, he's probably your seventh defender, honestly, right? Yeah, um, on the Sabres, I think he should be our seventh defenseman. He, he is. I mean, he's our eighth defender right now because we have right. so many defen- defense. So, right. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would – like I said, like you said, I think we both had the same reaction. Um, what are you talking about, first of all? And second of all, yeah, go for it. Like, I would I would have no remorse in trading Bogosian after this year. Um, he's going to be a UFA this summer anyway, so <laughs> – Go for it. I mean, we're not I'm pretty – I mean, that will just solidify us not re-signing him, hopefully. And then, you know, if we could get something for Zach Bogosian, and I don't care, you know, what – I know I was throwing off – Galchenyuk was a rumor from Pittsburgh, right? And he's been kind of in a similar situation where he's had a lot – I mean, I don't say Bogosian has a lot of height, but Galchenyuk had a 30-goal year a few seasons ago with Montreal, and ever since that, he hasn't really found his game. He's really struggling this year. Um, and he's making a similar cap hit as Bogosian, which is, you know, and I think Pittsburgh's kind of a, a, I don't know, vice versa situation as us, where they got a lot of forwards right now, and it just happens to be that a lot of their best ones are hurt. So once they start getting some of those guys back, it seems like the culture over there and the, and the management is saying it's going to be tough for Galchenyuk to play in our top three lines. And I don't know if you want to pay a guy $5 million a year to play on your fourth line, especially when he's not kind of like a gritty grinder type of player. He's a playmaking scorer, right. hypothetically, right? So I think this trade makes perfect sense, honestly. If we could trade Bogosian for Gelchenyuk one for one, it's kind of a situation where I think neither team is expecting much out of either guy, right? But I think it's kind of a let's get a change of scenery and let's – you know, flip our rosters around a little bit where Pittsburgh could use more defensemen. We could use more forwards, mix them into the lineup a little bit, maybe play them with Skinner, play them with Eichel, play them with someone that can maybe get him the puck, you know, just tell him to shoot because he does have a great shot if you watch him play. And he says he has flashes of, you know, goal scoring ability. And that's what the Sabres need right now. So I think it's kind of a win-win, right? And then if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And, you don't sign them next year, right? What's the worst thing that could happen? I, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. I know Botterill has, you know, a lot of connections in Pittsburgh. You know, that's where he came from. You know, we got Sheary from Pittsburgh. We got Hunwick from Pittsburgh. Um, I could I could see this happening, and I, I, I would like it. You know, I texted you. My first thing that I would do is I'd put Galchenyuk, right, with Eichel and, um, and, and Reinhardt. Or Eichel, yeah. Eichel and Skinner. Like, I think if you had a line of Eichel, Skinner, and Galchenyuk, like, Galchenyuk's playing with two elite goal scorers. Then on the second line, play uh, Olofsson and Reinhardt with Johansson. And I think that's a solid second line. No? No, I, I agree. I think that trade would make 100% sense. Um, when you texted me about that, he was an option. I, I like that. I think you hit on all the key points. You know, he, he's been a guy, almost like I was talking about Millsat, how he hasn't been able to translate his game in the NHL. Galchenyuk has, you know, had a couple of few good seasons. Like you said, 130-goal season. He's been in between 50 and 20 multiple times as well. Not playing well in Pittsburgh. I think he was in Arizona last year. He didn't really find his game there as well. But, yeah, I guess it, it – 
sometimes these guys just do need a change of scenery. And maybe if he gets settled in somewhere and plays with some guys like Eichel or, or whatever it may be, just a change of something up. And it's not really going to hurt either team because if the Penguins aren't satisfied right now with Galchenyuk and the way he's performing, we're not satisfied with Bogosian and the way, you know, what he's doing, you know, swap it up. Maybe, the, you know, the Pens need a defenseman like him. I know they traded away Gabranson to the Ducks, who was kind of a big, tough guy defenseman. You know, Bogosian can be that replacement for him. And then, yeah, see if Galchenyuk can find his game. I, I agree. I, I would be fine with that trade. I mean, it wouldn't be my number one. Like, I wouldn't – it wouldn't really change my outlook too much on the Sabres going forward. I wouldn't think that that really solves our scoring problems. But I guess if he can really find something and, you know, score 25 – 20 to 25 goals, that, that would be worth it. That would be huge for us. Um, back to the Bogosian requesting a trade thing real quick. I, I don't want to, you know, I want to clarify. I don't want to come off and, or us saying, like, oh, like, who do you think you are? I mean, it was just kind of a shock, I guess, in a way. But, I mean, at the same time, you do have to see it from his perspective. You know, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, so he wants to get as much playing time to show, you know, the NHL and these teams that he, um, you know, in order to get a contract and, and stay at that league. So, I mean, probably from his perspective, he's thinking he wants to go somewhere where he's going to get the most playing time where he's not scratch every night. Um, but it was just kind of a weird way that, especially you see in the locker room and, you know, videos that the Sabres put out, you see him kind of like as a locker room guy and someone that, you know, is, a, you know, close with the team. And then all of a sudden he wants to request a trade. So um, that was kind of more our reaction, I think. I mean, at least for m- myself, not like from his personal views, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Galchenyuk thing, we'll see if that goes down. Um, but what did happen and what's not going to be, you know, the next Sabres forward, Taylor Hall, because I don't know if you saw the recent news, but he got Delta Arizona. Right. Right. So I forgot exactly what it was. It was Taylor Hall and another player, I think, for like, yeah, it was for like, like some, three guys. It, my buddy that I work with at work is a Devils fan. So he was, you know, texting me all day when he started seeing the, the rumors swirling. Um it was Taylor Hall and some – I believe he's – I think he's like a borderline minors, like kind of floater player um, forward. For, I don't – like I said, I don't know his name. Big, you know, journalist over here. but um, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, and then the Devils got back a first-round pick, a conditional draft pick. It's either uh, – it, it, right I, ha- now I have a, it here. Yeah, you want to talk? Yeah, real quick. Um, all right, so Arizona got Taylor Hall and Blake Spears – and the Devils got in return a forward, Nick Merkley, forward, Nathan Schnarr, defenseman, Kevin Ball, uh, 2020 first-round pick, and a 2021 conditional third-round pick. So, I mean, I don't know much about any of the, I don't know any of these guys except for Hall. I mean, the main reason I just wanted to bring it up was because, obviously, that means he's not going to the Sabres, and I don't even know if we were biggest contenders in there. and We probably didn't really have our, you know, hat in the ring at all, but I know people did speculate a little bit, but basically it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, I I predicted it last podcast that he'd be gone by the time. Arizona's kind of wild though. Yeah, I I I said uh, Colorado was my prediction, right. but like I said, I we I've been saying it since we started the podcast that I think that it would have been a weird move for the Sabers to trade for Taylor Hall, and I think Botterill kind of had the same thought process as me, where you know you don't think you're going to resign the guy and you have to give up. I mean, that's a that sounds like a kind of a haul there to get him right especially you're giving up first round draft picks when you don't even know if you're going to get them back um, and you're giving up some prospects. Right. So it's weird that that that's what my first reaction was. Cause you'd think that he'd go to a team that thinks they can win the Stanley cup this year. And well, Arizona's, Arizona's having a good year though. That's they are having a good year, but are they, are they, I don't even think they're 
you know, if, if you put a gun to my head, top top three teams that I'd pick to win the West right now. No, for sure, for sure not. But at the same time, um, I mean, their goalies, one of the best goalies in the league this year. He's having an unbelievable year. Um, I mean, they, they obviously, like, for them, I guess it makes sense that they just need more star power up front. Maybe that, that was the guy that they're looking at to get them right. over. Right, just got Castle, right? Right, yeah. So, and they have been playing well this, this year. I think they're second in their division or something. They're first. They're leading their division. Oh, they're first. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean. But I, that, that's a weak division right now, I think. But Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we don't have to get into Arizona Coyotes talk, but I just wanted to bring up that Halsey is actually now out of Devils. I mean, we, we knew it was coming, especially this past week, because he was getting healthy scratch, so you knew someone was someone was finally in the works. Um, but he's not going to the Sabres. Not to the Sabres, no. Um, but so it's, it's, go, ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so I was just going to say, so yeah, well, I mean, still no Sabres trade yet, and we'll see if that Galchenyuk thing comes to fruition. I know that, you know, we obviously talked about that, and the rumors swirling about that. Um, but, you know, the other thing I kind of want to touch on, or did you want to hop in there real quick, or what? No, I was going to say we can look ahead to the games we got coming up this week, but unless, what what, what else did you want to bring up? I just, well, just a couple points. I mean, we talked about last week the special teams of the Sabres and how atrocious it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the exact numbers since the St. Louis Blues game um, when we, you know, we started kind of figuring it out. I think yeah. I, th- I think we did uh, get on the board of the power play goal or so in the next couple of games, or and the kill looked a little bit better. But going but going into the Blues game, the Sabers lost nineteen straight special teams battles. So in our previous nineteen <laughs> games, going into the Blues game, you know we've got outperformed on special teams. And so, I mean, that is literally, you know, that's why people, a lot of people will rag on or not rag on, but they don't put as much um, importance. to I, you know, say like power play goals or something like that as a stat. And they're like, Oh, Olsen can't score five by five, which first of all is false. He's proven he can. And second of all, I think power play goals are a very important stat to look at. I mean, special teams win or lose games in the playoffs, win or lose games just in the regular season. I mean, your special teams has to be good in the stretch that the Sabres weren't playing well, it's not, it's, you know, it's not far-fetched that, oh, oh, what do you know? We lost 19 straight special teams battles, and that's why we haven't been winning. So, I mean, that has to be better. It has been in the past or past three games, and I think that's been a big reason why we've turned around a little bit. No, I agree, and I, I think we were – we had a crazy stat line of special teams, I think, against the Islanders. I think like we crazy good or bad. Yeah, really good. I think we were 100 percent on our PK, and I think we scored both of our goals in the power play. Yeah, and we get get I a point out of it too. Well, well, yeah. What happened at the at the end of the Islanders game when we were down two one? Barzal took a stupid penalty, and we capitalized right. on it. Right. Yeah. So I mean, like you said, special teams has been improving a lot, and if you look at our early season success, especially you know when Olsen started out like a house on fire, our power play was scoring almost every game. Right. Right. And, Good teams, what do they what do they do? Right, they make you pay when you take penalties. Right, they 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 make you pay when when you take stupid penalties. You go man down, right, and they, you put your top guns on the ice and you score when you're five on four. That's when the you know the good teams have good power plays. It's not it's not rocket science here, um, and so I think it's a huge it's a huge factor, and I and I think Kruger's been addressing it too. It's it's no secret that our Penalty kill stinks and our power play stinks. And like you said, I mean, this past week, I think we've made strides to improve it. But, I mean, this league is all about consistency. I mean, it's an 82-game season, right? It's all about how you bounce back. You got to have a short memory. And you got to come into every game wanting two points. You got to have two points on your mind every every night in this league. 
Um, and games in December and games in November are just as important as games in February and March, right? So I think if we can, you know, start looking ahead, right, to this week in Sabres hockey, yep. it doesn't get any easier. I mean, this December schedule has, has been absolutely grueling, minus the first game to the Devils, right, when we absolutely stomped them. We went to Western Canada, which was kind of an iffy road trip when we went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. And then since then, right, we had the Blues and Predators and Islanders this past week were all very good teams. Blues, Stanley Cup champions. Predators are a you know, perennial, you know, playoff team the last few years. They've been sucking. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not having a great year this year, but, I mean, their roster is still sick. Yeah, their right? coach is about to get canned. But I still think they make the playoffs, if you ask me right now. And then Islanders, second team in their division and having an unreal year. I think they almost have 50 points already. Looking ahead, right, it doesn't get any easier. We got Toronto on Tuesday night. Tonight. Tonight, when you'll probably be listening to this. We got fit the, at Toronto, right? And then we're at yep. Philly on Thursday, who's having an unreal kind of bounce back year. They got some new names in free agency. Kevin Hayes, James Van Riensleg is back there. They got some scoring now. Carter Hart's got some experience now in the NHL. He's having a great year. And they got some young defensemen that know how to move the puck. They're a really dangerous team so far. Playing in Philly, always a tough barn to play in. And then Saturday, finally we get an easy, easier team. We got the LA Kings at home. Both of you and I are going to be boots on the ground at that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, those the Toronto and Philly games, man. If, if, personally, I always like to talk about this when we talk on our podcast, goals and what, I, what I'd like to see out of the Sabres. If we can get four out of these six points – I would consider that being successful. I think if we split with Toronto and Philly and then win at home against LA, I'd like that, you know, and I think that'd be a nice little early Christmas present. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm just a completely separate note. I'm really like, looking forward to this Saturday. It's a huge day for Buffalo, you know, Buffalo sports where you can watch the Sabres and Bills back to back. You know, we talked about the Bills playing the Pats. That's a 430 game on a Saturday. I mean, Love going that. into going into Christmas, already have the you know playoff spot locked up. The Sabers hopefully can keep it rolling here. And I mean, if you get a Sabers, you know, big Sabers dub in the matinee game, rolling into Foxborough, feeling good, and then the Bills get a dub. I know it doesn't mean anything, but you know, you beat the Pats. You, you that's just a chance at the division. That's just setting up Christmas for Western New Yorkers to be a you know a, a jolly one. That's all I gotta say. Oh, yeah. No, I'm super pumped for that. And the, I guess the last note I want to make on the Sabres is that – and by the way, I, I would agree. I think if we can split with Philly and Toronto and – I mean, obviously we want to win all of them, but, you know, maybe even take advantage of Toronto while they're still, you know, trying to figure it out under their new coach, um, you know, get ahead of that one and kind of take our heating streak into their, you know, a little bit of a mess. Um, but yeah, if we get four to six, I think we need to take care of uh, business at home against the Kings. But Hey, if they just keep rolling, what I was going to say is it's been really, it's at least pretty refreshing as of late comparing it to last year, because, you know, last year is where we had that 10 game winning streak in November and, then you know it just fell apart this year we start out hot and then we we don't you know we we don't do well we drop a few games in a row it's not it's looking like it's gonna be almost of a repeat of last year where we just can't figure it out it's refreshing to see 
Eichel just putting the team on his back. Seems like he's growing. The team's growing and able to get back with a couple more wins in a row, a little bit of a point streak going because you can just see that it's at least a little bit different than last year. You know what I mean? It's just not going back into this lull of winning, you know, getting hot real quick and then all of a sudden just burning out. At least you see that there's a little bit of bounce back in the team. You know, the calendar flipped to uh, December and the team started playing well again. So that's a little bit refreshing. That's a little bit promising that maybe it's a little bit different than last year. And like we said, the, you know, I, at the beginning of the Sabres talk, you cannot give enough credit to Jack Eichel. He's got to play like this. This is the guy. This is the guy that we thought we drafted. He's been getting better each and every year, and to see him finally blossoming into the full player that we know he could be. I mean, the slander for him out there that some guys still have is just unwarranted and just not fair at this point. I mean, he's shutting everybody's trap up at this point. Sixteen game point streak. Um, so he, he's going to keep it rolling. He's an absolute dominant player out there. You just can't give enough credit to that guy. And I, I, it's really on him. He, he said, you know, once they started, went into that, into that lull. I mean, you, you could tell. He, he's just thinking in his head, There's, we're not letting this happen again like last year. We're bouncing back. We're getting these wins. And we're not going to this no back-to-back wins for another five months type thing. So credit to the captain. It all starts with him. And then I was going to wrap it up, but I, I just remembered. I feel like we can't <laughs> we can't go on without talking. We don't have to talk about it a lot, but just I want to mention uh, Linus Allmark because I think he's been outstanding. He's finally gotten to that first role as a goalie. You see Kruger's giving more confidence in him. He's playing him as the number one guy now. We're not really rotating back and back uh, between him and Hutton, so which I believe is both of us believe is the right move. So I mean, he's been playing great, timely saves and reliable. So credit to, to all Mark and, you know, the success in these past couple of weeks has been also attributed to him for sure. Um, but anything else on your end before we wrap up here? No, I mean, I think this is a pretty loaded episode. Um, you know, excited, excited for these next couple of Sabres game, excited to be in Buffalo on Saturday, cheering on the boys and then, you know, rooting on the, this, the bills in the, in Foxborough, excited to be in the playoffs, um, excited to, you know, celebrate the holidays kind of a little bit stress-free this year. And it's, you know, I, again, I think we threw around the idea of going to the uh, the Bills-Jets game week 17. I don't know if that's going to happen depending on how things play out. I don't know if we want to sit in the cold and watch Matt Barkley. But, uh, you know, I you know I think it was a solid episode. I'm, you know, looking forward to, um, you know, these next couple weeks to Sabres hockey while the Bills are getting ready for their playoff push. Um, and then I'm looking for, you know, big things in 2020, you know, we got playoffs, you know, January football for, for the bills is always a welcome surprise and we'll see what we can do with the Sabres, you know, keep this train rolling. I like it. Um, so yeah, that, that wraps this episode up. Um, Hey, the main, main thing I just want to say is playoffs. That's all. That's all you gotta say. Freaking bills clinched with two games left in the season. Still awesome game. Awesome just weekend of that that Sunday night doing it on prime time too so just just remember that you know we're going in like Ethan said we're playing January football this year enjoy it enjoy it you know it doesn't come around too much in the last you know years obviously so we're in the playoffs for the Bills Sabres starting to play a little bit better have a great week and get ready for the Patriots oh mama I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my home. Oh mama, I can hear you are crying, you're so scared and all alone.
coming down from the gallows and I don't